en arke hain orogas, kai orogas en prostantean, kai theas en orogas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the first line of the Gospel according to John. Welcome to the Symmetry Podcast. We're a home for conversations about faith and humanity that are designed to help people grow. I'm Ben Laboot. And I'm Brad Collins. We're your co-hosts for this show. And this is our pilot episode called Word. Brad, our conversation about Word goes back quite a while, I think. Yeah, no, it really does. The, the, the story that I remember is we were going for a beach run, and I thought it was just going to be a you know, morning exercise, probably not talk a lot because I'd need the lung capacity for cardiovascular stuff. <laughs> and, you know, we're running and you were really excited about something. And I'm like, Ben, why are you so excited on this really early run? And you look at me, you're like, Brad, there's this really cool preposition in this line <laughs> from the Bible I was looking at. And I was like, you're excited about a preposition? Like, who gets giddy over a preposition? And, uh, you know, you, you were pretty excited in that moment. You had your short, bright running shorts on, and it was this beautiful day at the beach. And you're like, yeah, but of all the things that are going on right now, I'm just really excited about this preposition. And, you know, honestly, I thought it might be fun to even talk about that preposition today. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And most of the time, I do not get that excited about small words like that. The, the word we're talking about is with. I, I was going through this verse, John 1, 1, which Brad read in our intro. And which you read in Greek. But side note, you don't actually speak Greek, <laughs> but you kind of ended up speaking Greek. And so anyway, you did something new today. That's great. But uh, continue. It took me a long time to learn the Greek, but I got through it, right. although I did get hung up on just a couple words in, like I said, on this word, with, because in the Greek, it means more than with. Yeah, you, what you told me that morning is, Brad, you know, people quote this, in the beginning was the word verse all the time, but it's not just that the word was with God, it's that the word was in a face-to-face -face relationship with God. Tell me a little more. Exactly. Like I said, most of the time this word is just translated with. John, the author, does something very nuanced and specific with the word. In the verse it comes in, the word was with God. When he writes this, God takes a different case than with. So the words don't match. So it draws your eye to it like a big red flag and says, there's something going on here. And what was going on? These two things, the Word and God, they're, as you said, in a face-to-face -face re relationship. Meaning that they're kind of in an equal space or on an equal level. Exactly. Okay. Here's two things. They're different. So they're distinct beings, but they're on the same playing field. They're on the same platform, same authority, same importance. And that's a big deal, right? Because if you're writing a... A, an account of good news to people and you say, hey, there's God, but also with God is some other entity here called the word, some other entity that is equal to God. That's, that's a subversive thing to say, right? 
It is. And this was written in Greek to people living around 50 AD, give or take. Yeah. So some of them are used to lots of gods. There's pantheons, there's things like this. However, that's not what John is talking about. He uses the word tantheon, so the god. He's very intentionally referring to a single god, he being a Jewish writer. This is the supreme one, the holy one, blessed be he. So that's that's subversive too, because instead of saying in the beginning was a god, it's in the beginning the god, which is kind of a Jewish, like a very distinctly Jewish or monotheistic concept. And that's really cool to me. Um, but there was something really almost intimate or very relational in the sense that there's a thing called the word and then there's an entity called God and they're in this face-to-face, or at least the implication is that they're in a face-to-face relationship. I, I think that's a more intimate or relational view of a divine being than we're really used to, um, you know, even in the 21st century, kind of conceiving of God as a force or as the all. And there's there's some truth to that, but but this little line in this very old, like actually ancient text kind of implies that there's a very personal character to God as well. That's spot on. We have the God, we have the word, and we'll get into what this word is later. But there's two things. They're on e- equal footing. There's reciprocity. There's relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. The word is in a face-to-face relationship with God. In some ways, it's mind-blowing that anyone could have a face-to-face relationship with God, kind of like we were saying. The question then becomes, what is the word? If I'm being honest, I've had that question many times in the past because I hear phrases like the word in the beginning was the word, etc. Mm-hmm. And I ask myself, what is the word? It to to me, it didn't make sense for the longest time. Yeah, and if you're in Christian world where a lot of people that, you know, still believe to some degree or another grew up, the the answer is pretty simple. Just like every Sunday school question, you're pretty <laughs> Jesus safe. Jesus loves you. Right. You're uh. pretty safe if like you end up at Jesus or like love. Those are like the safe answers, things like that, that like Jesus mm. is usually the right answer in church. And I, I, you know, maybe that would be the answer here, but it, like, I don't speak Greek, right? And you don't speak Greek, but you know, you <laughs> can sort of apparently. Yeah. Appara- <laughs> I mean, literally you spoke Greek, but you know, the way we mean fluency when we say that, but the the thing that gets me is it's very easy to read into something what we think it's going to be. And that doesn't have to just be, uh, you know, a line from scripture. But when Christians, me included, earlier in my life would read this line, in the beginning was the word, I'm like, oh, obviously I know what that is. Sunday school answer is probably Jesus. Uh, or, you know, is the word the Bible? Because Christians talk about the word of God or things like that. And by that, they usually mean this like book of 66 books called the Bible. And I don't know, it, it just didn't make that much sense. Like in the beginning was the Bible. I don't know. (laughs) Or some people say I have a, like a word, like a a specific 
command from the Bible or just something. So it's usually something Bible related for what is the word. And honestly, I like it's a it's a Greek word. I figured there was some history there. And I, I think we ended up talking about this a little bit on the beach when we were talking about the the preposition with. Um, so moving from preposition to noun, uh, <laughs> can you shed some light on what logos means? Sure. The Greek word here, which we're translating word, is logos. And this is a dense word. Dense. This goes back to at least 600 BC. That's a long right? time. So at least 600 plus years before this text is written. So like 2,600 years ago. At least, yeah. The, the Greeks were great thinkers, right? I think we've all heard of Greek philosophy. Philosophers, yeah, like right? Aristotle, Plato, all those classics, people, yeah, exactly. Okay, so one of the maybe lesser known ones, but he was about six hundred BC. Guy named Heraclitus. He was part of a group that asked themselves questions like, "Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? What is my purpose?" We live in a crazy world. Is there any substance to it? Is there any meaning to it? Wait, did you say people like thousands of years ago were asking questions like that? I yes. Feel like, <laughs> I feel like I've heard people ask questions like that recently. Yeah, right. That's what people ask like when they're going to college, when they're starting their first job, when they have their midlife crisis. Oh, okay. They go, does this mean anything at all? Blah, blah, blah. And this is an ancient question. Okay. So the feeling I have before some giant test of why am I doing this? What is the reason for the universe? <laughs> you know, I'm asking the wrong question at that point. I should be asking, what are the extra factoids I should be looking at right now? But yeah. instead, I'm <laughs> pondering the deep mysteries of the universe before a, you know, exam in med school. Yeah, but this light stuff for 9 a.m. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, right after my first cup of coffee, I am ready to be an ancient Greek philosopher. <laughs> All of these thoughts, even if they did not have an answer to why this whole thought, this vein of questioning was summed up with this word logos. So meaning, purpose, organization, kind of in a universal sense, that, that nebulous concept is encapsulated in the word logos. Exactly. Okay. If I had to sum it up in one concise phrase, I would say... Lagos, the word, is the divine organizing principle for the universe. Yeah, I think, so one of the interesting things to me is I had a phase of life where it just seemed like everyone I talked to was kind of pondering this mystery of life of, you know, this high school friend of mine who was a little younger was thinking, what am I supposed to do with my life? Why am I here? What is my purpose? I've never thought that. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> you just knew from the beginning you wanted to, like, farm zebras in India or something. Oh, so. that'd be magical. Anyway, but so this high school student was, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Like, what's what's the reason? And, you know, friends that were my age in undergrad were saying, hey, I have this engineering degree, but... I, I don't know if I want to do the typical job for this field or like get a business degree or like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then um, some middle-aged like friends slash mentor uh, people were saying, Brad, I, I've worked for a long time. I think I'm supposed to retire. And even like a grandparent age person in my life was saying, Brad, I'm, I'm pretty old. Like, why am I here? And it just kind of seems like this question never goes away, both in terms of thousands of years ago to now, 
but then also all the different ages of people now. That's something we do as people, right? Your your cat doesn't sit there and ask itself, what's my purpose? But we as people... <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> okay, maybe it does. But uh, across time, across culture, mankind has sort of asked itself this question. And what John is doing here is he's talking about this. He's saying... At, at the start of all things, there's this purpose. And he goes on to say it's in a face-to-face re- relationship with God. Yeah, so, you know, in the beginning, it was the word in the... So, you know, maybe five to ten words into this Greek, what we call a gospel, John's, like, touched on a couple of big things. Like, there's the the putting a divine being in a personal, intimate, face-to-face relationship with some entity, which is kind of subversive. But then in even using the word logos, he's kind of getting at one of the deepest questions that people are asking. So this book that often seems antiquated or backwards, or why would I care what people wrote in some letters or whatever thousands of years ago? Like, what does this have to do with me? This doesn't seem like it would add any value to my life. And here we are like less than a sentence in to this uh, piece of literature. And we've kind of touched on some big stuff already. Yeah, this is jam-packed and it uh, applies to us right here and now. This isn't a jam-packed statement about something a long time ago. This applies to us. And it's the question we still ask ourselves. And I think that's why we found this a really, like, how do you find prepositions, nouns and everything else interesting when you're in a you know physically so (laughs) I I kind of picture even as we're having this conversation now what it was like talking as we ran along the beach side note (laughs) you run marathons which means (laughs) you are very nice to run my pace sometimes and uh (laughs) you know you're just like going off about the this preposition and this divine organizing principle and And I'm over there like huffing and puffing, using all my lung capacity. (laughs) And I'm excited, so I'm going faster than I probably should be. (laughs) Yeah, so, but the thing is, if something excites you when you're on a run, it like has to be pretty cool. And I I just find this a very fascinating, like even first line, it's poetic. So kind of the musician soul inside of me really (laughs) likes that. And I, I, I think there's really at least for us in this conversation we're having, probably one other uh, point I kind of want to make in terms of the subversive re- kind of revolutionary nature of even this first sentence of a gospel. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first line of the Torah. This is a really striking line for me, not just for the reasons we've already discussed about the preposition with or the word logos, but even saying the phrase in the beginning is a revolutionary, subversive way to start a gospel account of the life of Jesus.
So in the beginning is a very distinctly Jewish thought. People that have, anyone who's kind of started to read the Bible for, you know, I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover, just for whatever reason, spiritual <laughs> reason. One. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to page one. I got past this really long preface that was like confusing. And, uh, <laughs> and then I get to, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it's like a pretty well-known line for even people nowadays that aren't related to the faith tradition even at all. But to a Jewish person, it, it would be it's it would be hard to believe that immediately when hearing or reading John's in the beginning would not have thought and I've heard this before. I, I I know where this goes, I know where this is going, I know what this means. And I think John probably takes it a place they're not expecting with this Lagos thing. because uh, Lagos is it's a Greek word. It's not even a Hebrew concept, really. And so John kind of m- m- mashes these two ideas together in his first line. Like, we're, <laughs> we're like 10 words in to this gospel, and we're like kind of stuck on a single sentence, you know? So I, I know. What do you think? I think you're right. I think John knew what he was doing, and he was very smart and clever in what he was saying. So he can continues the Jewish story with what he's saying, and then he tosses in the Greek, and he's taking these two worldviews, these two cultures that don't have a whole lot in common, and he shoves them into the same thought and says, no, there is stuff in common here. Yeah, so uh, inter-race relations, this apparently <laughs> is not a problem that goes away quickly, as, <laughs> as in 2018, there's, you know... Anyways. Yeah, these these people from way back when sound, sound a lot like we do. <laughs> I know. I mean, I feel like weren't you reading that book on Roman literature or something, and it turned out they were writing inappropriate symbols yes. in their bathrooms, <laughs> like thousands of years ago. Not even like on the street walls everywhere. People basically were just as bad as we were. Had the same wait crazy I, stupid. I'm not thoughts. like that anymore. That was that was my middle school friends. It wasn't even me. Yeah, but. Okay. Uh, so in other words, you're saying that John's, John's words here, this, this line, this poem, this gospel, is a continuation of the Jewish tradition, or said another way, th- there's more to the story, right? Yes. Yeah. I think, I think what's really cool to me when I'm reading a line like this is it's a well-known line. A lot of people that grew up in church world or the Christian subculture of America have probably heard this line before. It's... In Christmas songs, like Veiled in Flesh, like the Word Made Flesh type thing shows up in Christmas songs. So it's something we almost take for granted. We're very familiar with it. So, uh, you know, there's a famous quote, I'll paraphrase, like familiarity breeds contempt or just like lack of appreciation for something that's so subversive. And it's it's just so intriguing to me that this thousands-of-year-old poem is still subversive in some ways because (laughs) when I picture God... If, if I'm not careful, I'm very tempted to see God as a nebulous force that doesn't want relationships with people, but that just is kind of in control of things. And, you know, there's a justice component. So there's like punishment coming if I do something wrong or others do. So there's, there's that element of it. And I almost like get stuck there. But then this, this, this line of in the beginning was the word implies that this divine being is in a face-to-face relationship with someone like what that's even possible <laughs> yeah it's it's a, a concept that probably a lot of people did not have back then 
And I think a lot of people now even, as you just said, don't really think of God that way. But here John comes in and he says, the story that we've been telling each other, it has another chapter. Here's what it is. God is relationship. Yeah, and even that phrase has been very overused by Christians today saying, you know, this Christianity thing is not a religion, it's a relationship. And they're right at its best, but then even me growing up, the same people would go, you know, it's a relationship, but then they treat it like it was a religion. Like, I've got my checklist, and uh, if I've done all my checklist things, I feel good about myself, and I haven't done my checklist things, I feel terrible about myself, I, like, worry about that, like, it, it just doesn't seem very helpful. And then, you know, so John is this beloved disciple of Jesus, and it's just cool that someone who it seems like was very close to this rabbi comes away with a relational perspective of God, and I think that's a big deal. I think it is, too, and I think he's, like I said, bringing a new world of here's maybe a new way to think about God, but he pulls from the very first line of the Torah, so he's saying this stuff is still here, too. Yeah, I... I just, I was so pleasantly surprised during our beach conversation and even reflecting on this line since and as we kind of prepared for this podcast that that there was such a richness that I hadn't been able to appreciate before and it really makes me want to be more open to spiritual experience in general. final question is, what is John telling us with the first line of his gospel? John is saying that at the very beginning of it all, there existed a logos, a divine organizing principle of the universe. And that logos is in a face-to-face relationship with God. And that logos is Jesus. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Symmetry Podcast. If you've had a good time with us, please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcasts app, or Podbean. You can also find us online at thesymmetrypodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesymmetrypodcast. And until next time, much joy to you. <laughs>